Good morning, good afternoon. We are privileged today to host our excellent foundation, excellent person, excellent CEO. Uh, I think we're going to be having one of those uh, foundational talks, if we we're going to say. And then uh, there's a lot happening in UAE, in Dubai. Uh, there's a lot of things that are ongoing. We're going to be discovering what's happening. We're going to be discovering what's happening in November also in the world of blockchain. Uh, first, let's welcome uh, Frederick Regard, the CEO of Cardano Foundation. Uh, welcome, Frederick. I just want to set the stage. Could you briefly introduce yourself for those who doesn't know you? I'm sure there's a lot of people that knows you, but still we'd love to grow our community and love to grow also the Cardano community. Sure. Thank you for welcoming here. My name is Frederick Rigard. I'm the CEO of the Cardano Foundation. And um, yeah, we're coming to Dubai in, in November to have a, a huge summit around innovation, around interoperability, around industry bridging with blockchain. It's going to be... Yeah, I'm, I'm personally excited. I was involved last year and then I know what are we talking about. And then especially now talking I'm from Dubai and UAE, and then I was speaking with some uh, officials. Why don't we call October or November the whole month, you know, blockchain month? Because the amount of things that's happening, especially from the 10th of October till the 10th or 15th of November is, is really crazy. And this is where we want to start understanding a little bit about how has Cardano since its inception and since you yourself taking the leadership back in 2020, what were and what are those key milestones uh, that has been achieved so far? Cardano is basically working on sort of a, an epoch-based uh, development cycle. So uh, first and foremost, uh, so super excited to, to really to talk about Shelley, which is decentralization. So the introduction of decentralization is, is the foundation for any good public permissionless blockchain. And we are, if not the most decentralized blockchain in the world, then up there. And the fact that we went from, you know, federated entities or pioneering entities to running the network to over 3,000 stake pool operators is, is just simply, you know, mind-blowing. And that's what we called uh, Shelly. That's the Shelly era. And what's sort of even more mind-blowing about that is we are now in a situation that not only does 3,000 stake pool operators run Cardano, but the uptime of Cardano is over 2,000 days, which is, again, okay. amazing. You know, what kind of banking infrastructure, critical infrastructure do you know of who has an uptime of 2,000 days? Um, I mean, this is unparalleled. The only one I sort of uh, are familiar with is Bitcoin, right? So... Um, but the difference between Bitcoin and Cardano, and I'm really careful here because I think this is two very complete different things, is that Cardano has the most uh, code commits um, out there at the moment around the blockchains, right? So that means we're changing the code while we're flying the airplane and we haven't been down, knock on wood, for <laughs> over 2,000 days. So uh, I think what you really see here is this decentralization coupled with the architecture of Cardano, it really works. And you can really trust it to build critical infrastructure applications on Cardano, uh, whether that is for a nation state, whether that is for a new financial market infrastructure, uh, a new type of currency, or, or basically bridging uh, Web 2 and Web 3 together. The other thing was happened was Gogan. Uh, Gogan was the introduction of smart contracts. For those of you who don't know so much about Cardano, uh, Cardano is a 
is a peer-reviewed research-based blockchain. And that means that we are a little bit slow and boring. When I say slow and boring, it's because we go through a, a peer-reviewing process. And we've uh, you know, the, we issued more than 180 peer-reviewed papers. And some of them are the most cited in the, within cryptographic and decentralized distributed networks in the world. So we've really been trailblazing some of that. And a lot of other large protocols is building their architecture based on research done uh, by Cardano at large. I think that's amazing. But uh, smart contracts is also within the three-year time frame you are mentioning. So the fact that we not only do we have smart contracts, but we have two different types of representing digital assets, whether that is just database entries or real digital assets on Cardano. The first one is what we call native assets. So it's a pure native representation of it, which you're actually not able to do on many blockchains. And what it does is that you can sort of think about it, that you can do a token who's sort of nearly like a first citizen level as the utility token itself is needed to be. And there's different gradients of, of, of native assets in that. And we have, I think, you know, five, six million uh, native assets represented on Cardano. And the other one is the smart contracting language. The smart contracting language... Um, you know, is is built on on Haskell. We call it Plutus, and we are now in Plutus version two. So, in the three year time frame you talked about, we actually went from version one to version two. But more than that, we now also have a smart contracting language called Icon. Icon is coming from a, an open source bootstrap by the Cardano Foundation, and it gives you actually a, an easier way to to write smart contracts on Cardano. And when I mean an easier way, I really mean that we are getting to a level where even uh, we know of many Solidity developers who is, you know, completely engaged and, and really enjoy writing in Icon because it's, it's easy to, to engage with. Um, it's, it's, it's cheap, right? It, and it's very fast. And, um, yeah, there's really, uh, you know, uh, good opportunities here. Then after that, uh, we introduced a lot around what we think about as Basho, which is scaling, and we are still delivering in the Basho area. Um, so um, so this basically is the ability to have more transactions per second, um, you know, faster relays, um, you know, layer two opportunities, uh, a lot of other things there. And finally, where we're spending a lot of time at the moment right now is, is in the area which we call Voltaire, which is this governance <coughs> area. And I think what people don't really truly appreciate is that outside Bitcoin, every other blockchain protocol sort of starts as sort of a level of centralization and it's on a journey towards decentralization. And um, I'm super excited uh, about that journey for the Cardano blockchain and, um, and uh, it's going really well. So what we are establishing right now is all the tooling, which we call SIP, so Cardano Improvement Proposal 1694, which basically allow... Uh, us to to really you know build uh, an on-chain government um, with uh, you know a legislative body, a constitutional body, etc. And uh, I think that's going to be sort of a, not just a great exercise for Cardano, but I think the learnings, both in terms of technology and social systems, we're going to get through that journey, is going to spill over in many many nation states and city states, but also in in, in corporate governance for you know, registered shareholder company and, and private hold shareholder companies at large. So I think that's that's just to mention a few of the amazing things that happen in the three-year <laughs> time span you're talking about. Um, on top of that, we now have over a thousand companies yeah. deploying on Cardano, which is also super exciting, right? Uh, and that's just the ones we know of, right? That's, uh, you know, all the time there's companies who's deploying, Indeed. which we never heard about before and, and uh, they reach also.
amazing. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about the innovation part, but I think you just mentioned them all, <laughs> and, and it's it's very important to to to, to follow. Uh, the amount of innovation, amount of updates, or amount, you know, you mentioned the, the example of banking, for example, uh, because banks can adopt your technology. They can fully take out their systems and then adopt such technologies, but they don't see it yet. And then they, they don't want to be super transparent. <laughs> That's something we, we also see. Uh, this is where uh, transparency is a differentiator for good ones, but for some others, it becomes a threat. To their uh, uh, to their business, uh, regardless, um, you know the blockchain environment has a lot of impact, and it's actually a growing concern. How Cardano is really addressing those issues, and what are the steps being taken to promote uh, the environment, to promote sustainability, uh, knowing that you know there's always that reference to the Bitcoin and then Bitcoin mining and the electricity and whatever regardless of you're working on a different uh, proof of stake, but the idea of how we are contributing, and I know there's a lot of issues, things that you guys are contributing on. Cardano's unique infrastructure, coupled with what we do in the foundation, but also what IOG and Imoco does, and also others, there's a large set of the community who's really focused on these things. They really benefit of a few core things. One of them is Cardano's proof-of-stake consensus protocol called Ouroboros, which is constantly also evolving and improving. And that offers a mathematically verifiable security with significant gains in energy efficiency, speed, and decentralization. And what that basically means is that, you know, it's a, um, it, it, allows you to, it allows you to express the security on such a high level that we can work across multiple use cases without needing to anchor that into um, electricity or CPU consumption, right? So under this, there's this sort of proof of contribution. You have proof of work, you have proof of stake, and then you have multiple types of proof of stake. And what's really interesting about Cardano is that the type of proof of stake we have is significantly different than others, specifically when you mentioned banking before. So not only does it use very, very little in terms of electricity, but also silicon waste, right? So the CPU waste, which is sort of from the burning out of, of mining platforms and stuff like that. But it also does, it has deterministic fees, which means you can calculate that. You have, uh, you know, insurance of finality, which means that that's one of the large problems we see in financial market infrastructure is, is guaranteeing finality. It has some really good parameters to counter centralization um, on the operational efficiency side, right? And uh, all of those things sort of walking hand in hand, what you actually see is, a, is an infrastructure who is made for critical applications and made for, you know, for large adoption. So it, it, it has so many components under the hood. And uh, I was just speaking to the European banking authorities. Um, and also I was in Brussels to speak about Mika and, and Mika too with the policymakers and so on. Right. And, uh, you know, I really see that the regulatory bodies and the policymakers, including sort of the, the takers of the technology, are really starting to, to explore these third generation blockchains and really getting excited about that not all blockchains are created equal. Some blockchains are better for some use cases and some are better for other use cases. And, and Cardano is really made to be a public infrastructure.
and, uh, yeah. and and yeah. more and more people really appreciate that whether that's the staking mechanism who has no slashing and no logins and no ownership change or or whether that is you know finality and those kind of more sort of nerdy aspects to it yeah and that's uh, that's an interesting part talking about this but we cannot talk about any blockchain or cardano or anything without mentioning crypto market uh we're not going to go into pricing of course but what are the potential of the future of growth of such a market in general? Well, the way I think about it is that because Cardano is built differently, as I just alluded to with that, we have the option of having native assets and smart contracts, and we have the really good uh, opportunity in terms of some, uh, some layer two mechanisms, such as what we call Hydra, which is a type of isomorphic state channels. You actually start having a situation where you can think about having a token issued on Cardano, which will have you know a hundred x or a thousand x market cap of what Cardano has, which is sort of interesting okay. when you kind of think about it, right? So, and the other part, what we see is that the involvement of Internet of Things and sensors, uh, plus the maturity of the Cardano blockchain, has led us to a situation now that the um, any industry out there. I have not been able to found an industry who could not harness the power of something like Cardano in terms of transparency and accountability and working with multiple stakeholders across different architectures. They can benefit of it as we've seen that the financial infrastructure has been challenged by blockchains, right? So if you kind of think about what was what is sort of represented on blockchains today, a lot of that is capital markets or you know investment banking use cases, right? Which just now on a different infrastructure and they have a different sort of audience because they can do the capital uh, intermediation without going through banks, right? Um, you know, but that's just one industry. I'm talking about, you know, hundreds of industries being able to adopt this now because blockchain doesn't stand alone anymore as it did in the early days. It now stands in conjunction with other uh, innovations, right? So an example of that is we just uh, launched for the World Lacrosse Championship. We launched some um, some uh, some jerseys, some bumper jackets, and so on, which doesn't sound that sexy, right? But what happens is that there's a radio beacon embedded in the fabric, and and now the magic happens okay. because that means that you now have a NFT, right? A non fungible token in real life in a shirt or a bumper jacket, right? Now. That means you can track the supply chain, you can track authenticity and provenance of this, including right. footprint from, from you asked about environmental footprint and so on. We can track all of that, right? On the flip side of that going in, we can change the user experience in real life. You know, think about your you're wearing your t-shirt, you're walking in on the stadium, and you can walk directly over to the VIP entrance and you get in there because you have the right t-shirt on, and that can be verified using a blockchain and it cannot be counterfeited, right? So basically, you can sort of navigate the physical experience completely different because you build that radio beacon into the shirt. And you can go all the way from drones being able to track that signal and take a picture of you while you're sitting in the stadium in the first row. And you can sort of think about complete new products you can build into that. Experiences here. We're talking another dimension. Completely different, right? And then for the younger generation, uh, maybe your generation or even younger, right, who's sort of into gaming and, and, and Web3, right? You can then take that experience and bring that back into your favorite computer game, right? Because you now have something which is also represented in the digital world, right? So you can actually, you know, in your avatar, whatever game you're playing, you now can verify that you have an authentic brand, uh, you know, costume in there, right? And you can, uh, you know, you can prove and say that you own the original, right? 
Um, so that can also bridge into the Web3 world. So I think some of those things now are finally, after years and years talking about it, some of those things are really coming together now in a cheap, effective, and scalable fashion using the Canano blockchain or other blockchain. Very, very interesting. And <clears throat> we want to take Cardano into another level, which not many does that. I know you're involved in uh, a UNHCR uh, project and the UNHCR initiatives. Can you tell us more about such initiatives and why, most importantly, why Cardano is prioritizing these and why they are important to give back? <clears throat> so I'm an economist or of, of trade or investment banker, depending a little bit on how, where you draw the line in between, right? And as an economist, I'm very interested also in history and, and ensuring that, you know, you know, history has sort of this ability to repeat itself, right? Uh, our ability to store knowledge in our brains is sort of very um, limited at the moment. Huh? So um, one of the things we sort of observed was that with any new emerging technology who has exponential power, such as blockchain, internet, AI, and so on, what we see is that the technology is being weaponized to start with. And that's basically because there's a few people who has the, um, the ability to benefit from it uh, before the masses benefit from it. So we think about this as inf information asymmetry, right? So very few people can benefit from this very early on. And we see a few industries, or, you know, a few use cases who goes again and again, right? Um, so when drones came around, you know, the weaponization of drones and so on. And the same goes with blockchain, right? So one of the things we're focusing on as the Cardano Foundation is to be a counterbalance to the weaponization of public permissionless blockchains because we need sufficient use cases to show the world that it's not just bad things happening on a blockchain. It is also things who change the social systems, who improves the world at large, who makes us to come together as a society. And with more and more people forcibly displaced than ever before, I think we're talking about 110 million people is forcibly displaced. And now lately, in, you know, in the, in the Gaza Strip in Israel, we're seeing even more, right? Finding new ways to support refugees and humanitarian missions is vital. And I think Cardano's unique architecture has made this partnership possible. So that means that ADA holders can now delegate to a stake pool and any reward will automatically go towards supporting Switzerland for UNHCR with 80% of the reward generated going directly to operations supporting forcibly displaced people. Now, as a part of this project, uh, the foundation also launched the, the Kind of Hoofs initiative with Goat Tribe, a prominent actor in the Cardano ecosystem, selling exclusive NFTs featuring iconic goats dressed in Switzerland for UNHR merchandise. And an initial 24 auction was followed by a sale of these uh, NFTs, which was sold out in 48 hours. So, when you sort of take this apart, right, you're saying, oh, is this just a new way of funding displaced people? Well, actually, it's more than that. This is about how do we upgrade, uh, you know, an NGO as as big as United Nations to use Web3 technology in their architecture, right? This is not just about you know, an IT organization doing some NFT drops or something like that. No, what we're talking about is 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 educating and enabling UNHCR to use blockchain infrastructure to help, you know, forcible displaced people around the world and ensuring that more people, so democratizing that, that if you, if you don't give 10 million to this, how can you also be a voice in the ecosystem and get the transparency 
as somebody giving a hundred million has, right? You spoke about before this banking systems and so on and transparency and the cost of transparency. So the goal, of course, is that we get to a situation that you know that you have much more transparency, you have much more direct influence about you know where your money goes and you can track your money and those kind of things. And that starts by these use cases. But it also starts by showing how you can actually do something as a force for good uh, using public permissionless infrastructure. Great. Thank you, uh, Frederick. Uh, I'm going to go for last general question, and then I'm going to dive into the summit to, so that they can know what exactly is happening next month. But before that, I just would like to remember our viewers that we are launched or we launched our second MENA Top 25 Women in FinTech, Blockchain and AI. If you know any women in the Middle East and North Africa who are really pioneering the change, not just on the technology side, but becoming the voice of such uh, industries, please do nominate them on dxtalks.com. You can find it there on the front page. We love to support those women. We are there for them. We want them to grow. And then we are creating that platform where we having more and more women involved and i'm sure you have a lot of initiative on this but now i'm going to ask you before we jump uh, you know there's the regulatory landscape that is happening for the whole cryptocurrencies you just mentioned mika and then you i'm sure you're you mentioned also that you were putting some regulatory things in uae dubai uh, in the space can you shed some light on the region of dubai and middle east on that regulatory landscape which is really evolving now yeah, I, I think I can do that with different lenses. So you need to direct me a little bit if I get off topic, right? But I think the first thing people don't realize is that there is a very big regulatory push um, against centralized platforms, right? So you see, you know, Facebook has been fined and, you know, people have been breaching <clears throat> data security and all those things. So I think the regulator in, in, in many ways, without even knowing it, are basically saying, stop, this is enough. We have enough centralization on some of these sort of huge platform plays there is out there. On the other side, we've seen some regulators, uh, such as Singapore, Switzerland, Dubai, UAE, uh, to a certain extent, Saudi is coming around now as well, who's saying, you know, this is not about tomorrow. Right. This is about the next generation of infrastructure. And they basically made long, you know, plans, so 10, 20-year plans about how, is this infrastructure going to be treated? How are we going to enforce on that? How are we going to do different things? In other words, they brought clarity and the willingness to engage with it. And I think this is truly unique. And here our team has actively engaged in international policy discussions through direct meetings with policymakers, contributions to articles, participation in interviews, as well as the submissions and responses to formal consultation processes. Right, uh, So we are very actively involved in that. And also VARA would actually be in the Kidano Summit. So we actually would see that uh, there would be regulatory people okay. in, in panels. And we, had, we are we're really trying to encourage that. Now you will always say, hey, you know, why didn't you bring even more? And we're like, yeah, well, we have to start somewhere, right? And we are in Dubai uh, at the <laughs> summit. So I think having the local regulator there is really appreciative. And we're going to have some policymakers there as well. Yeah. So I'll be looking forward to meet them uh, also myself because we would love to have this dialogue. Yeah. The other thing which is sort of maybe important for people to understand is that um you know Cardano the infrastructure is not regulated. Um and this is sort of a little bit of an epiphany many people sort of think about because they say oh hold on a second but if I build something on Cardano it can be regulated but the infrastructure is not regulated. 
Uh, how does that fit in? And then other places we have sort of like in Japan, where we have a, what's called a whitelisting of the infrastructure, right? It means that the 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 people who looks at public infrastructures basically said, you know, Cardano has the necessary uh, security, the necessary operation resilience, and so on that you can build on that being, you know, a large enterprise. So the, this 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 is a very complex sort of environment we are we are navigating in. But um, the fact that we are in close contact with regulators and policymakers around the world and we are being invited to these discussions, I think we, we take that as a positive sign because normally the regulator mainly concerns about the people they're regulating, of course. That's their job, right? right. <laughs> and and um, I think that, that we are being invited to the tables around the world to participate and give our view and and, 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 and clarity, I think that's a good sign. The second thing is we actually just launched our uh, Cardano Explorer for regulators and policymakers. So we actually made an explorer, a sort of reg tech explorer, which clearly shows, uh, you know, some of the business processes, including staking, the staking lifecycle on Cardano. And this is one of the topics which is being discussed a lot at the moment. What is staking? What isn't staking? You know, what about, you know, lock-in periods? What about ownership change? You know, do you need to have slashing for it to work? And there we very concretely show how it works in Cardano uh, with real data where you can really go in without knowing the computing code that you can verify your opinion of what Cardano does and doesn't do. And I'm hoping that, you know, by also making this open source by the end of the year, that other blockchains and other projects will take and, and adopt we'll that and, and build tools for regulators and policymakers around the world so we can enable much more innovation, much more job creation and much more uses of blockchain in the general world. I like how how you approach the regulations also from this aspect where you created an open not open source but an open platform for them to be joined on this very interesting take and I I also advise the other blockchains to jump on this this is I think pioneering now I just want to focus on what's happening in 21 days almost um the summit itself why dubai uh what's the significance of this event for cardano and its community and the broader blockchain industry. Yeah, so we are extremely excited to be hosting the Cardano Summit 2023 in November with the main stage event in Dubai. But besides that, there's actually going to be 20 community-led events happening worldwide, sort of in the same, same time period. I think this is particularly significant for us as this is the first Cardano Summit main event to be held in the Middle East. And uh, we're trying to, the reason we are moving it around has been because we, we're really trying to acknowledge that we are a global project for the spaceship called Earth, not for one culture, not for one country, not for one use case, but this is much larger. And we see Dubai as both a business hub and an emerging blockchain hub, and therefore an ideal location. And it's very hard to navigate blockchain at the moment without actually having to cross over with Dubai because Dubai is just been made such an attractive place to operate and such an attractive place where different technologies and different cultures and trade lanes come together. Now, the summit 2023 will see uh, the unveiling of the foundation's uh, third global impact challenge. It will be building on the okay. success of previous partnerships with Veritree in Switzerland for UNHCR. The summit will also allow the community to showcase their ongoing upcoming innovations um, to potential investors and other community members. So we're actually going to have sort of, we call it the battle of the builders. So we're, we've attracted some liquidity providers uh, from blockchain, but also outside blockchain where projects can pitch towards them. Think a little bit like Shark Tank meets blockchain, right? Um, 
there's going to be opportunities for businesses and political leaders of the MENA region to meet with those building Cardano. So I think, you know, if it's just code, it's easy. But when people interact with code, it gets hard. And what we've seen is that this opportunity for, you know, the people who built Cardano and are building Cardano to sit down with the with the local regulators and the political leaders, this is incredible important. You cannot just hide like we do today, unfortunately, between the computer screens, right? Um, you know, we are talking about trust and we're talking about, you know, humans, you know, contributing to trust through distributed ledger technology, right? And I think this networking collaboration is invaluable for the future development of blockchain innovations, but it's also invaluable for supporting uh, greater adoption, not just in Dubai and MENA, but across multiple blockchains. And that's why there will be other blockchains also attending the Cardano Summit. And there will be other projects who's not building on Cardano. And there will be industries like the Harper authorities and others who's going to be there on the ground uh, to try and understand, you know, how do they harvest the benefits of this kind of infrastructure? So I'm, I'm really, really excited yeah. about it. And uh, as you rightfully said, you know, there's so much happening in Dubai. And I think my only concern at the moment is uh, to ensure that that people get maximum output out of this uh, in terms of, of, of not just talking about things, but deploying things, not just proof of concepts in an innovation thing, but critical infrastructure. Um, Actual implementations. Yes. I want to see it on the blockchain. I want to be able to go on an explorer and verify the use cases. That's what we're aiming at. Very good. If I was a general user and then I'd like you to pitch in for me to attend the summit, what would you tell me? Why should I attend? Other than what you mentioned. That's a good question, huh? I think there's been so much hype around cryptocurrencies and blockchain and um, many people might be a little bit disappointed now why the whole world has not changed. So I think if you want to get a fresh breath of optimism from some from a blockchain who has had you know uh, double digit growth even in the bear market across all measurable components, and you want to meet you know people who is really living on this, building on this, and doing this in critical infrastructure environments, and you want to ask sharp questions and curveball questions about if this is real, well you you need to be in Dubai in the start of November to the Cardano Summit. Because this is your chance where the world meets Dubai and the world goes on Cardano and other blockchains. And you'll be able to have the sharpest minds, but also the most critical minds will be in the room. We have people who really distaste blockchain who's going to challenge us and they want to see the truth, right? And I think we have something in blockchain where we say trust but verify. And I think it's hard to trust yeah. in the world today. But coming to the Dubai Summit, you will get the tools to be able to verify if this is real. All right. This is the link, summit.cardano.org. Do join. Uh, do register. We still have time. Uh, so we'd love to see everyone joining. Uh, we reach out to our Mina community, Mina Cardano community, and then we ask them a question, which you answered, but I'm just going to ask them because to remember them that the question was answered. What role do we see Cardano playing in the future of finance and decentralized? I think we did mention in different points so I'm not going to ask you to, to mention it due to the time also. And I'd love to leave the floor for you to wrap up what key messages uh, or key takeaways would like to leave for viewers about Cardano and, the, of course, most importantly, the summit that's happening soon. I think the Cardano Summit promises to be an invaluable opportunity for interaction 
physical interaction in Dubai, coming together, learning and the exchange of innovative ideas. So if you're able, please come and join us for the, what I expect to be both fun, informative and an inspirational few days. Uh, activities won't be just limited to Dubai. So if you can't get on a flight, there'll be 20 community events around the world. And what we're really trying to, to put a focus on is interoperability between Web3 and Web2, but also Web3 and industry at large, so physical things like products and produce and stuff like that. And last but not least, we want to get to a situation that people understand it's not just Cardano who's open for business. Blockchain is now at a such a mature level that is open for real enterprise business. That's what I would like to leave your audience with today. Great. So uh, I'll be happy to see all of you. I'll be happy to meet you uh, in person this time. We, we spoke before uh, in last year's summit. I'll be also speaking in this uh, event, part of uh, the panels. I'll be more than happy to share my experience and most importantly, to connect with the community because this is the only thing that we'd love. Uh, I'd like to thank you for being with us today, uh, Frederick, and really sharing your insights. I'd love to wish you all the best and all the luck because not just the luck because there's a lot of hard work uh, i know uh, involved into this and when we say you have the highest committed changes <laughs> i totally understand it uh big thanks to our viewers most importantly to tuning in and don't forget to watch this uh, on our channels and our recording uh until next time don't forget to register and then we'll put it in the description and in the chat thank you frederick thank you for this thank you cardano foundation and then we'll see you within 21 days or 22 days. Have a good one. Thank you very much. Have a great day.